0: The results are in. Hmm. Basically, no one wants to mess with me. 52% of you think I'd win in a fight against that kangaroo that tried to steal a dog in Aussie that went viral. That was a
1: sentence. 48% (laughs) of us, including myself, have doubts. And I noticed that your mum, your mum was one of the people (laughs) that voted you. I don't know if that's, a, yeah, that's parental pride taken too far. Has she taken a good look at that kangaroo?
0: Nikki Wells only has one Instagram account, though, <laughs> and that, that sounds like something I would say if she didn't, but I promise she does. A winner's a win, Jess. I'm strong. Even
1: if your mum had to help you with it. Kilda, this is
0: Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. International pressures are starting to mount in the Israel-Hamas conflict. An expert we've had on the show before fears this
1: could be just the beginning. How did Axe Brooke Van Velden steal a National has held since the 60s. Why is Christchurch Council considering
0: closing some libraries? Is it because they're just buildings with books?
1: Plus, ever wondered what Coca-Cola designed by Chat GPT tastes like? Well, wonder no more.
0: We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable.
2: Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support.
0: The situation in Gaza is getting more and more dire by the day. The hugely populated area has been under blockade for nearly two weeks and constantly shelled by Israel after the surprise attack by Hamas. As many as 200 people kidnapped from Israel are still being held in Gaza and rockets are being fired from the territory into Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. The international community has continued to call on Israel to allow humanitarian relief into the territory and senior political figures are involved in diplomatic efforts to ensure that the conflict doesn't spark wider violence. To help us understand what's going on, we're joined once again by Dr Leon Goldsmith from Otago University. Thank you so much for being with us again.
3: Good morning, you're most welcome.
0: Is there gonna be any chance of diplomacy?
3: There's obviously a lot of movements in the diplomatic field amongst uh, Middle East governments and the Americans and we have the very ironic, quite tragic situation of Russia and Syria, two of the most brutal regimes. Um, the modern age who are offering their support to um, ceasefire and <laughs> cessation, de-escalation. You know, there's not a lot of leadership in terms of the efforts to actually pull back from the brink here. And Like a, tran- a power that can transcend the situation in the US, previously you could have done that, but unfortunately they seem to be going all in uh, with the Israelis at this point, which is probably one of the most concerning aspects in terms of the diplomatic efforts to, to defuse this. I think the most probable channels that we could get some traction is probably through Doha with the Qataris. They have got good relations with Hamas, with the wider Muslim Brotherhood movement. Maybe Turkey as well can be pulled in here. But um, I think there's a lot of unfortunate political maneuvering by various actors, not necessarily in the best interest of trying to de-escalate or save lives, but in terms of jockeying for political positions.
0: Why doesn't Hamas let the hostages go?
3: The leadership of Hamas and their strategy knew that they were always going to have to play with the lives of Palestinians too. They are not innocent in this affair whatsoever. They are using the entire population of Gaza as a kind of a hostage situation. They to try and further their interests and they're hoping at some point that the Israelis will be forced into some kind of uh, in-depth uh, negotiations for these hostages, something that uh, Netanyahu has said that he's absolutely not going to do. So there's no way that they're going to give up these hostages, um, Hamas, because mm-hmm. this is the only thing keeping them alive right now.
0: Leon, there's been criticism of Israel's response throughout all those calls that they are indulging in collective punishment. Uh, what do you make of that? And Because that is illegal, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So what Israel is doing is, is pretty horrific. You're you going to try and understand the Israeli mentality at this point in time. And this is um, something which has been getting worse. Unfortunately, there's been a growing intolerance for any kind of compromise and negotiations with the Palestinian cause, either with Gaza and Hamas or West Bank and Fatah. There's an, a growing uh, religious fundamentalism within the Israeli political establishments shown within the current coalition government, which includes religious Zionists who are openly uh, promoting the idea of a decisive plan, as Bezalel Smotrich has called it, which has got horrific resonations with 20th century's worst, darkest days, which is something that you would think the Jewish people would understand more than anyone.
0: Could this blow up into region? wide violence
3: just to put it into perspective so the gaza strip and i was there recently and i felt like i could have gone for a long walk and circumnavigated this piece of territory it's got double the population of the south island of new zealand Mm. and the area one-tenth the size of dunedin city whatever happens within the next few days if the israelis pull the trigger on this ground invasion i said that they're starting to bomb the south So in terms of this escalating into a regional conflict, it really um, comes down to the calculations of Hezbollah, Iran, and also Syria. If they feel that they have moved the needle in the Arab Islamic world to this kind of boiling point, and what they're hoping to achieve is destabilization in those what we would consider pro-Western monarchies or republics, Egypt, the GCC states, and these Jordan, these types of places, the Iranians and the Syrians, who knows what the Russians are trying to achieve out of this, hope that they would actually see that the cost-benefit calculus is actually in their favor to actually hit Israel and open up a Northern Front. And this is when it becomes extremely dangerous because the Israeli playbook at that point is uh, 100% backlash. At this point, anything's possible in terms of a wider regional escalation. And Gaza is like the sacrificial lamb. The main crux of the coming conflict is going to be between Lebanon, Syria, Israel, Jordan, which is the biblical Armageddon, which is an actual place which I visited recently as well. It's quite terrifying in terms of the need to pull back from the brink of this escalation.
0: Leon Goldsmith, thank you very much for your time and uh, speechless, as always, when we talk about this conflict. Most welcome. ChatGPT created a Coca-Cola recipe. It made it. AI made it. But would you drink it? We've got a review later that you may want to base your answer on, but vote on Insta ChatGPT Coke, yay or nay. Find us by searching Newsable NZ.
1: Now, we've talked about how minor parties had some huge electric wins at this election. The Greens taking three electorates, the Party Māori storming through the Māori seats, and ACT has also managed to pull off an electorate upset. Deputy
0: Party Leader Brooke Van Velden trounced National's Simon O'Connor in the Tamaki seat by 4,500 votes. National had held that seat since 1960. It's a seat that covers Auckland suburbs, Mission Bay, St Heliers, Meadowbank, Glen Dowie, and Kohit.
1: And Brooke is here now to have a chat. Kia ora, Brooke, welcome to Newsable. Thanks for having me. Tamaki's newest MP. Now we heard a lot from people, at least anecdotally, particularly from women who wanted to vote for you but wouldn't normally vote for ACT purely because of that Simon O'Connor factor and the fact they wanted to get him out. Is that something that you heard and do you think that made a difference? Yeah,
4: there's been a couple of reasons why I think um, people joined our campaign for Change for the Better in Tamaki. Okay. Yes, there were quite a few women who said look, I don't really feel comfortable approaching my local MP based on the fact that our values are quite different. Um, That being the Roe versus Wade comment Mm. saying today was a good day uh, when the United States repealed abortion law. A lot of women in the area felt quite upset by that. Now I'm very different to the former Member of Parliament for Tamaki in that Mm. I'm a social liberal. I don't really mind what you do in your private life, as long as you don't harm someone else. But there was another reason why people en masse decided to support the campaign, and that was because they said they wanted a hard-working local MP, someone who was really visible in the community, someone who was approachable, but also would be accountable to people.
0: I also imagine that regardless of which way people feel, your hot pink coat would have had a lot to do with it. I was, I am a big, I'm a big fan. Uh, but <laughs> overall, are you disappointed at all in ACT's result or even Nationals result? Seeing as it does look like the peer review will need Winston to govern. Oh
4: no, I'm not upset by ACT's um, historic mm-hmm. high polling. Yeah, you know, this is the largest number of members of parliament that would we'll be bringing in for the ACT Party in history. Of course, it would have always been nicer to be higher, but you know, when you're gaining from last election, that is always a win.
1: The same day we went to the polls, Australia did the same for a referendum on a voice to Parliament for their First Nations people. I mean, it, the campaign, unsurprisingly, was pretty pretty divisive for the country over there, and it's left them in a really sticky situation now about how to move forward. Why would does ACT want to put New Zealand through that with a referendum on the treaty?
4: Whenever I've done my street corner meetings, and I've held 130 of them now in Tamaki, the role of the treaty in New Zealand and uh, race relations comes up at every single one. Now, we've seen a lot happen even in the last six years, but even in the previous decades, uh, where people are feeling increasingly divided, not because of what's happening in society, but by government policies that have been pushed through um, because of the treaties of the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, And what we're saying is those are undefined principles. So New Zealand public should actually have a say over what the principles are of the treaty so that people do actually feel like we are a united country again rather than a divided one.
0: Just quickly, what ministerial role are you after? Housing? Health? Foreign affairs.
4: Look, I'm I'm Trade. someone who will I will serve where the party and uh, the government believe I'd be best useful.
0: Brooke Van Velden, thank you very much for your time. Ex deputy leader and more recently MP for Tamaki. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I
2: played the great game of rugby league for the Storm. Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and, of course, everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, I've got to take them on a journey.
3: <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: get yeah, cherry, vanilla and lemon, it's time for chat GPT flavoured coke or at least a recipe concocted by chat GPT. We've got an on the ground review coming up and hey if you're enjoying what you're hearing chuck us a like and follow us on your favourite podcast platform it'll help other people find us.
0: The cost of living crisis is coming for us all and it's not just coming for us normal people, you and I. The Christchurch City Council is looking at belt tightening too at the expense of
1: its libraries. And swimming pools. I know it doesn't sound very fun. Christchurch Mayor Phil Major says if the council doesn't cut services, residents could be looking down the barrel of an 18.18% rates rise. Civics reporter at the press, Tina Lord, joins us now. Kia ora, Tina, thank you for joining us on Usable. Can you talk me through what exactly the Mayor is suggesting here in the way of cuts?
2: Yeah, so he basically says we need to look at everything in order to cut costs. Um He's singled out libraries. He's saying some of the smaller libraries, the ones that are just buildings with books in them that they could possibly be closed and also swimming pools um, their hours could be cut
0: Build Buildings with books <laughs> describes... It's an ad- description That describes every single library Mayor Phil and <laughs> Tina how did the council get itself into this situation to quote the Mayor he says they're up shit's Creek I think
2: <laughs> Yeah
1: that's exactly what he said <laughs> Doesn't it's <that towards> worth <laughs> that Phil?
2: He doesn't. So they're saying it's it's a combination of a number of things. You've got Increases in insurance, interest, inflation. And we've also got a very big stadium that's been built, which is very expensive. So that's also in there as well. By the stadium, though,
1: inflation, insurance and interest are something every council is likely to face. Does this mean that kind of more councils than just Christchurch might be looking at these kind of options? Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know what they'll be looking at, but I think, yeah, most councils will be facing the same cost pressures.
1: I mean, you can
0: hear how I'm reacting to this. How are locals... Those who would be rid of their buildings with books. How are they feeling?
2: Yeah, they're not too happy. We've had quite a few letters to the editor today and, yeah, every one of them are basically saying keep your hands off our libraries because, you know, for a lot of people they're the focus of the community. Mm. They go there for, you know, mums and bubs meetings. What are the other options if he's not going to do this? What other levers, rather can he pull? There are quite a few. I mean, they can put off spending um, on their capital programme. They can stop renewing assets like pipes. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of other things they could do. They are also saying that central government could front up with some extra cash. Um, maybe they could start paying rates on their own buildings, which would be quite a help. Do they not currently have to do that then? No. Okay. No. Schools, hospitals... Don't pay rates.
0: Is this the worst case scenario? This is like at the end of the list of cuts, or is this the first to go?
2: Ultimately, it's going to be up to the people. So these. I'll fly down to Christchurch. (laughs) Yeah. So it will come out as part of the long term plan. Long live the buildings
1: with books. I say. (laughs) (laughs) We will cover this and see how it goes. And oh, Tina, you've got more in today's press if anyone wants to check that out. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, so we've been teasing this all pod. It's now time to talk about Coca-Cola and chat GPT.
0: Yeah, look, usually Brad Olsen is our economics man, but he's travelling at the mo, And one of his Insta stories caught our eye. It was a bottle of Coca-Cola called Y3000, Hmm. and it's Coke's latest flavour co-created with AI. And here's what Brad had to say about this. Naturally, he bought one and tried it not good at all, stick to writing code, legal briefs, and birthday messages. <laughs> it's not a very glowing review, is it? I asked for more information from Brad, and his response was simply it tastes awful. So I think it's fair to say Brad hates it, and yes, I have asked him to bring me one home.
1: I want to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yes. Well, the media outlet The Atlantic wrote a piece about it. According to them, Coca-Cola says the drink was made to evoke a positive future. Well, not for Brad. What does that with mean? With a label that has a futuristic feel, and at first the journalist said it smelt like a circus peanut candies, but tastes mostly like Coke, but then further down describes it as smelling like a juicy fruit gum, a combo of pineapple, banana and citrus. There is a lot going (laughs) on here.
0: (laughs) Also, what a circus peanut candies. I also did a Reddit deep dive on this. Uh, Very safe place to go and be. Someone on there wrote, their entire family said it tasted awful. One of them said it tasted like vomit, and then after all of the family members had a sip, they tipped the rest out. None of this is glowing. But then scroll a bit deeper on Reddit someone said strawberry yoghurt and then someone else said mango <laughs> yoghurt I, I I'm confused but I still kind of want to try
1: it it's almost like everyone's getting something different from this I read one that it said it tasted like nasty flavoured toothpaste which is to me <laughs> is like a really intense mint I don't know I want to try it
0: definitely If and if Brad can't smuggle me one back into the country can you tell I want Brad to bring me one back I will find another way to get my hands on it there's a poll on the gram yay or nay to the chat GPT coke. get in touch but for now have a wonderful day. That's newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: I'm Jessica McCarthy. We'll catch you tomorrow.
0: Nasty flavoured toothpaste. Mmm, minty. If you liked listening to this pod, help us
2: make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.